Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between it. So we went to breakfast the other day. You finally got out of the house. Yes. For something besides a doctor's appointment. Yeah. And in misery, going to and fro. You, you were actually able to enjoy leaving the house for the sake of enjoying leaving the house. Yeah, I think I was as surprised as you were because, you know, you get up a little bit later than me. And I said, hey, do you want to go to breakfast? And you already had a whole plan of what you were about to do. So Yeah. Uh, but we went to breakfast. And um, in an attempt to have a conversation, because we're sitting across the table from each other, although we do spend almost 24-7 together right now, I figured a conversation was still an appropriate thing to have. Yes, because when you start spending 22 out of 24 hours a day with a person, the conversation starts to dwindle because you run out of things to talk about. And so you start spending more time in your own respective heads and less time in conversation and in interaction. Our interactions had become mostly, can you get my, will you help with, do you need anything? Can I get you anything? But I was saying what you're saying, and you yes. were saying what I'm saying. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, or are you sure you don't need help with? I'm going to go to the store or in the shower or basically anywhere away from where you might be able to yell for me to get you something. Our conversation had become very utilitarian, very pragmatic, and very minimal. Well, we certainly had nothing new to tell each other because we were both there for a lot of nothing that was happening. Exactly. I'm going to take a nap on the couch. I'm going to take a nap in the recliner. You did a lot of napping and I did a lot of playing video games so that I could pause it at a moment's notice when you needed something. So then we went to breakfast. So we did go to breakfast and we were trying to have a conversation at breakfast. Right. And and, and often you say you say to me, "What are you, are you thinking anything?" Which, which I have to tell you, all of you out there who get tired of your partner asking, "What are you thinking?" 90% of the time you can just come up with a conversation topic and that'll be good. Doesn't matter if that's what you were actually thinking, just come up with a conversation topic. She's still trying to train me. Yeah, it hasn't it's not worked yet. Work yet. Mm. <laughs> no. So I usually just answer with what I was thinking. And then you look at me like, and that's not a conversation. Well, you've gotten over saying nothing because what you're usually thinking is mundane and you feel like it's not worth sharing. And so you say nothing. And I'm like, no, there was something happening. I could see your eyes flickering. I was thinking, my ass is tired of sitting on this couch. Maybe I'll go to the recliner again. Okay. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we were at the restaurant. Yes. And... um I said, so have you read anything or seen anything interesting in your native lands that you explore on the screen? The, the internet is my native country. Yes, in, in hopes that you would talk about something that was interesting to you that you had read or listened to, and then we would have a conversation about that. I mentioned that I heard or read something recently about how when discussing the internet and our perpetually connected modern lifestyle... That when it comes to the amount of information that is available on the internet, generally it's only people over 40 or 50 who say that they feel overwhelmed by the quantity of information available, that they say they have information overload, right. whereas people mm -hmm. under 30 feel that it's 
just like a digital playground and it's an open-ended sandbox world and they can just go play and they don't feel overwhelmed by the quantity of content that there is. Right. And, you know, in the old days, there were plenty of people who left the TV on all the time. And once there became cable, left the news channel on all the time or stuff like that. And and most of those are the people in the older age bracket that you're talking about. Yeah. So not, not all of them feel overwhelmed by information in general, but they feel overwhelmed from the internet. Well, I mean, that's what they'll say. Because there it's active reception. Yeah. As opposed to passive reception. You have to go and hunt down what you want in the internet. If you leave your TV on, it's there and you can pay attention to it or not, but you don't have to actively engage with it to figure out what you want from it. Well, and and you said hunt down, but you don't have to hunt down everything. There's lots of things that just click on and you end up in the next spot and the next spot and the next spot. Mm -hmm. You know, that happens. Down the Wikipedia rabbit hole. Yeah. I have found myself there so many times and I enjoy that. I don't. But see, that's what I was thinking when I said it was like, you have said you feel information overload. Yeah. And there's too much crap to wade through and I don't care about most of it. And the stuff I do care about, some of it I can't do anything about. And so I was thinking that, you know, in my generation, we were instructed or put to remember everything that we were learning. And I pointed this out to you that Mm -hmm. when I was coming up and I am a late Gen Xer, possibly even even considered part of what they're now calling the Xennials or the Oregon Trail generation. I, I'm a late Gen Xer, but my father was an engineer, so I grew up with tech. Mm-hmm. Even in that time period, in the mid early to mid 80s in elementary school, they were already shifting from you read a thing and then you remember it to you read a thing and then to answer the questions, you can flip the page back and skim through the text again to find the right answer. They were already shifting from memorization to comprehension. And I always knew that that would be a much more practical way to do things, especially once I got to graduate school, because you're going to look everything up when you need it. You're not going to remember everything, but there was still this pattern and expected, you will learn it by remembering it. And that's how we know you learned it. And in my elementary gifted class, we were taught a quote from one of the founding fathers whose name escapes me right now, I forget which one it was, that said something like, the smart man knows everything, but the wise man knows where to learn everything. Well, I think that the factor of being expected to memorize everything that you were learning, because there wasn't as much stuff to memorize, or at least we weren't given as much as kids can get their hands on today in an instant... We probably all have that expectation still ingrained in us of if I read this thing, do I have to remember it? And if I have to remember it, how do I remember it? It it becomes like, okay, never mind. It's like a cognitive reflex. You're trying to not just understand, but remember everything. Whereas people of my generation and later, and I don't know how much of this was because I was part of a gifted program. And so we were expected more to comprehend than we were to memorize. And how much of it was the fact that I was in a larger city and it may have been ahead of the curve. But that shift towards comprehension, we didn't have to memorize much, but we had to understand. And once we understood, we could throw it away and remember where to go find it again. We don't need to hold the thing in our brain. I've often called my smartphone my expandable brain. You have. 
I don't think of it that way. I do, but I mean, we're, we'll be having a conversation at the dinner table and someone will say something like, oh, I don't remember how to, or I, I don't remember where it was that, or I think there was something that happened and by the time they finish their sentence, I will fill in the details that they were missing. By looking at your little screen. By looking at my little screen. Yeah. I know how to find the information. My Google Foo is strong. It is. So it's interesting to me the way that things like that are different between us because we are an intergenerational couple. Yes. There is more than one decade between our ages. Mm -hmm. And we were raised in very different settings. Mostly because of the time period. Yes. Different settings can happen for different reasons, but... Yeah, but it is primarily a generational difference. Right. And so then we started thinking about other generational differences, and this is when I said we should start talking about this to the podcast. Now, see, here's something I hadn't thought about earlier, but comes to mind right now, as our number two child likes to say, in the olden days. (laughs) In the olden days... If I said to you at the dinner table, hey, do you remember this thing? And it was related to this thing. And if you didn't remember, we would start having a conversation about the parts we did remember Mm -hmm. or the other things related to that that we remembered. Mm -hmm. And then we might remember the thing or we might just have had a conversation. It's true. So there's a difference too. Well, that's also a gendery thing because like I meet missing information as a challenge And, you know, it's like that girls talking about their problems versus guys talking about their problems. When guys talk about their problems, they want a solution. And when girls talk about their problem, they want sympathy and communication. I'm trying to keep my brain on the topic. You started talking about girls and their things that they do. Go ahead. (laughs) And that just automatically causes you to tune out. Shut down. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you for not being a girl. You're welcome. Thank you. No problem. All right. Well, it's sometimes a problem, but not for you. (laughs) Once in a while. So when somebody says, I don't remember the thing, it doesn't strike me as an opportunity for communication. It strikes me as an opportunity for problem solving. Well, in the olden days, the problem solving was, I said the thing I remembered, and the other guy said the thing he remembered, and the third guy said the thing he remembered, and then we duke it out over who remembered more. Because men are so competitive? There you go. But that would still be a conversation. Right. It, it wouldn't would have be. to be That's a girl true. a girl conversation about interchange. It would be a... Information sharing experience. Information, you know, mm. yeah. Jeff, know this. Bob, know that. Because I, I remember having conversations like that with my mother's husband. And Your that's what, father, yeah. yeah, that's the type of way that she would then have a conversation sitting around on the front porch or in the backyard in the evenings in the summer when it's finally cooling down. And you'd say something about something in history. I remember him saying, the, giving me the history of the term front room. And I don't remember the details. I know that's shocking. <gasps> I know. Sorry. But, because I have learned to discard things, but we would then have a conversation about this fact, the facts involved. That's interesting. Yeah. So anything you said to him, he could take a piece of it and go off on a, a tangent of all about section A of the thing you just said. Yep. Well, you know. Actually. The term front room was used. Yes. Yeah. So. Yes. And it would be interesting to both people because, you know, both have some input. So It so, wasn't like a well-actually kind of mansplainy thing? He could probably do that pretty easily. 
but he was careful about not mansplaining and mostly having those kind of conversations with people who wanted to have them. He was not a stereotypically masculine male, though. No, he was a bit of a feminist in his older days. Yes. Yeah. He learned. He learned something. So speaking of parents and how they interacted with us, another big generational difference is the way that they tried to condition us into our genders. True. You and I have a bigger gap in our ages than our parents did as far as They had you early and my parents had me late, yes. Right. Yeah, my mother had me at 19. Your parents had you in their mid to late 20s. So their approach to parenting, well, like you've said, your parents were hippies and my mother was trying to be a hippie. Your mother was a little bit early and a little bit old and a little bit not quite socially adept enough. Not only that, but familial ties kept her out of as much of the hippie scene as she probably would have enjoyed. Right. And she had some very strict gender education. We don't call it that when they just force it on you. (laughs) No, but she also was fairly cisgender and didn't try to rebel too much against it. She's, you know, she was fairly comfortable in those roles, or at least not dysphoric about them. She was not dysphoric about her gender and understood her place as she was told as a woman in her time period. Right. There and was, if you're- yeah, and there was no, I'm going to run off to the hate Ashbury, although she told me some years ago that she had plans to do that. I bet she did, although keeping in mind that she was a young adult in the early 60s, a lot of that counterculture concept was still just starting to happen and it wasn't becoming as well known as it would be by the time she actually did get into drinking and party lifestyle. No, the thing actually she told me that my father talked her out of it by saying, well, they're just over there doing a lot of drugs and she didn't want that. Right. She wanted to go over there for the art and the freedom Uh that she had never heard of. Yeah, she was raised in a religious home and a very traditional home and a family of immigrants. You know, she was, what, second, third generation. And so very old world ways. Right. I can see how that freedom would have been appealing to her, especially having been raised in such a traditionalist Mm -hmm. culture. But even so, she was content in her position and she understood that maintaining her position and maintaining the appropriate roles to her gender were part of maintaining her status in the business world, in socioeconomic status, in being able to keep a job, being able to support a family. You're, you're getting into her 30s. In her 20s, women stayed home. True. But there were still cultural expectations of right, her. Right, to be able to raise a family right. and interact with the other moms. And, and so my parents in their early 20s at that point, having me as, a, as their first baby at home, because mm-hmm. my dad had another child that was living with their mother from his first marriage. So having me there in their little... Family, family, their little nuclear family, they adhered to those gender expectations, seeing me as a female-bodied child and expected these things from me, you know, to hand down to me more gender expectations. More feminine wisdom. Yeah. And I, I, I wasn't applying it very well. Like how? Well, I think at first they were mostly clueless. So my mother said that because she had a girl child, she painted my room pink. And then once I could talk, I told her I didn't like pink. Yeah. And then she was kind of relieved because she didn't either. (laughs) But um, 
dressing me in lots of outfits because people do this often to their firstborn child if they have enough funding to do so. Yes. And so I would get put in outfits. I, You know, I don't know... Having that a lot of memory of, you know, under five, I don't know how I felt about that. But I do know that I was also very restricted in what kind of activities I was allowed to do. And so that affected me through the rest of my life because I wasn't allowed to run around and do things like the boys were. I was supposed to be careful. And so I didn't get the activity that would then foster the coordination that would make things enjoyable that I wanted to do once I realized I wanted to do them. Right. Or could get away from my parents long enough to try to do them. They they wanted little masculine children to build muscle, and they wanted little feminine children to build manners. Yes. How were your manners? My manners were good. How were your muscles? Flimsy. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, I have lots of sad regrets. Um, I bet. Being in that situation. You mentioned you didn't even learn to ride your bike until you were how old? Maybe 11 or 12. Wow. And that was when my parents bought me a bike for my birthday or Christmas, something like that, and took it outside right away with me and got me to ride it. And they were determined to get me on the bicycle. Mm -hmm. And this was all their fault in the first fucking place. You know, I mean, at that point, girls were expected to skate and they could ride bikes and jump rope. Neither jump rope or bikes was I adept at. How old were you when the PE teacher sent you home with a jump rope to practice? I was probably 13. And the PE teacher, seeing that that I could not jump rope like the other girls, sent me home with a jump rope so I could try. And he tried to explain it to me. I wasn't interested because at that point, I mean, we know now boxers and other people who are doing athletic things jump rope. Yeah. But at that point in my life, that's what all the girls did. And I didn't want to do that thing with the girls. No. I wanted to go ride my bike and run and explore things and climb on things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I couldn't jump rope and I'm still pretty bad at it. <laughs> Probably especially now because I haven't practiced in a long time. But I, I did eventually <laughs> learn it when I was trying to get some other kinds of exercise. And it's right. a really good cardio exercise. It is. It is. Yeah. And that's why a lot of athletes will add it into their cardio regimen. Yes. Because it is good. I do remember once I was old enough to be in school that we were required to wear dresses until probably I want to say I was in third or fourth grade. And now, now that I think about it, I did third grade twice because they realized how old I was and they made me go back. Because your parents put you in school a year early and forged your birth certificate to do I so? Was, I was like our, our number three child. I was ready. And you would have put her in too. I was. Yeah. I, yeah. In fact, I tried. Yeah, I was ready. But when they realized how old I was, they put me back. So maybe the second time I did third grade, by then we didn't have to wear dresses anymore. Or okay. sometime that year. But I would come home and, and my mother recalls it. She was f- fully aware of how fast I could get the little plaid dress off and into the hamper as soon as I came in the door. I bet. I hated it. I used to, you know, go to the thermometer and look and see if it was cold enough to wear pants. That's funny. You know, because if it was below freezing, like you could wear pants to school. That's nuts. Yeah. So those were the things I was given. And I mentioned to my sister when I was down there last time, I said to her, you know, I didn't get to do the things with my male cousins that I would have preferred to do and have that bonding with them and that interaction and being left with uh, the girls, I didn't connect to that. So I was just kind of on my own. You know, until a certain age, you did hang out with the boys and girl cousins would hang out. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and after a certain age, you just kind of wouldn't. And around that time, around the time that parents figured out that she really should teach me how to ride the bicycle, they also had started to change some of their gender expectations and adjust them to, oh, wait, George doesn't like dollies. Feminism and women's lib was becoming a thing. It was. And your parents' expectations of you were starting to adjust accordingly. Oh, she's a girl, but she can like G.I. Joes. She's a girl, but she can like to wear pants. They still didn't quite get the gender thing, but they were willing to open up their expectations of your enculturation. Yes, the gender thing went so far over their heads, they didn't even know it was in their at- in the atmosphere that they breathed. You, you had know? told them numerous times. Yeah, over their heads. Still. Yeah. That it was their generation. They had nothing to attach that to in their brains. There was nothing in their experience upon which to add that new knowledge. Correct. So I think that's wild that thinking about the way that was, comparing it to like the the episode of Doctor Who with the Roman soldiers and how people think, oh, here's the way things used to be, but it really only used to be that way from about your parents' time to about 100, 200 years before that. Right. Not to say that there wasn't gender oppression and oppression of other things before that. Right. But... But that's another topic. It is. But So you... You had your own gendery things happening while people were not expecting things. And yeah. So at your house, there was not, not expecting, but out in the world, there was expectations. There was expectation in the world. And I, growing up as a genderqueer baby fag, had no concept that any of these things were gendered at all. Because my parents were hippies and they were feminists. And they're like, yeah, you can do whatever the hell you want to. Go climb on the monkey bars. Go climb a tree, go get dirty, go play baseball, go program a computer, go do whatever the hell you want to because girls can. And I posted something in our social media a while back about how some gender fluid and gender queer and non-binary people don't realize that their discomfort with some of these things is gendered. Right. Because especially if they had a fairly permissive or fairly feminist upbringing, then they weren't forced into roles that were uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so they just thought, well, I'm just a different kind of girl because that was the only concept I had for it at the time. Right. That I'm just this kind of girl. But then for the first couple of years of elementary, I was the smartest kid in my class all the time. And I didn't realize it's not cute to be smart. I just thought, yeah, I know better than all of y'all. Mm-hmm. And then I get into the gifted class and I'm really different from all of them, but I chalked it up to socioeconomic status because my parents were burned out hippies. And my father was an electrical engineer, but because he was a workaholic, I never really saw him. And then my mother was an alcoholic and in and out of rehab. And so I'm thinking, well, I live on the wrong side of the tracks because my parents only have one job. And they're from this world where both parents are working and they're both, you know, multiply degreed professionals in the medical field or the legal field or executives. You mean the other kids were? The other kids, their parents were, you know... Mm -hmm. living in the nice neighborhood. Right. And I assumed that was the difference. 
And as you go through upper elementary and middle school and even on to the high school where you come into a lot of that identity formation, mm-hmm. I would see things on other people like a lot of people do. They see that and then they try it and they say, does this fit me? Mm-hmm. I see an outfit on someone. I like that outfit. I don't think, is that an outfit for a girl like me? I think, I like that outfit. Is it for a person like me? Right. And then I would wear the outfit and I would get side-eyed by everyone. Well, and see, the people who identify as girls think that's a girl's outfit, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and not being in those categories, you didn't think that. I thought that's a human outfit. Or, you know, I would think that's a outfit that is more suited to someone who enjoys more urban culture. That is an outfit that is suited to someone who enjoys more preppy culture. That is an outfit that is suited to someone who enjoys more... They didn't have the term emo culture then. I don't even know if goth was a thing yet, but it was, you know, that underground black metally punk mm-hmm. thing. Probably stemming from punk rock. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, I would categorize things by their subculture, but I wouldn't categorize things by their gender. And I would like, okay, well, I like this aspect of that subculture. And so do these aspects of presentation or do these aspects of interaction work for me if I try them out? And sometimes they would and sometimes they wouldn't. And I had no clue that any of this shit was gendered because mm-hmm. my parents hadn't enforced any of those gender norms on me. Right. And I just thought it was all bizarro shit, and I was just fucking awkward. Well, it probably was rather awkward feeling. And I am still kind of just awkward anyway. Like when you say you trip over air or... You are just in general dealing with gendered culture. Dealing with other people and gendered culture and I don't know, like I'm not as aware of what's going on around me in many social settings. And it's just not the channel my brain is tuned to, mm-hmm. which again, may be more gendered than it is not. And I just don't recognize it. Right. <laughs> because gender is written in basic and my brain is written in Ruby and there they're not go. even the same programming language, let alone the same operating system. Correct. So I don't know. Right. So Well, so. those are some very different experiences we had from the expectations of learning to the expectations of gender and culture and so forth in our uh, generational difference here. Yeah. And I find it interesting because we are a very much a opposites attract kind of relationship. There's a lot about us that's not the same. We are a mixed faith family. We are a mixed orientation couple. We are a mixed generational couple. We are... You lose your keys, I put them on the hook. We are a mixed tidiness couple. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We have mixed views on monogamy. We have mixed views on the concept of a tidy house. We have mixed views on the concept of religion. We have mixed views on the amount of screen time that's appropriate for our own brains. Yeah, yours can tolerate way more than mine. That's because when I was growing up, all of my friends were on the BBSs. Yeah, my friends were outside. Yeah, no. The sun burns. Oh, I remember saying to a number one child, you you said to him when we were at the two, maybe two houses ago, you said, you need to come outside. And I know the sky is out here, but it'll be okay. <laughs> yeah, like I remember entire summers in my middle school and high school years spent on dial-up BBSs and then on Prodigy and AOL, those first graphic interface online services and It was nuts. Had no interest in it at all. It also didn't exist. 
No, as as I was um I was in undergrad when uh, AOL was popular and it was very expensive. I mean, you could spend a lot of money if you stayed on there too long. Oh yeah, it was pay by the minute then, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I knew I knew some people And you could who, pay more for the unlimited service after a while. They They didn't came have up with that one. at first. They didn't have one at first. Yeah, no. And I know people who who couldn't seem to stay off of it and I just couldn't understand the the bother. Yeah, I remember when those things first happened and I remember a number of my friends on the BBSs saying, oh, why on earth would you pay that much for all that nonsense when you're getting the extra services with this BBS for, you know, $8 a month? To get to that, access all the games, that or makes all sense. The, yeah, it, that makes sense to me. Right. Yeah, AOL was shiny. Had that graphical interface that was easier for non-digital natives. And those people that that were hooked on it that I knew because I went to college late. Uh huh. They were a generation younger than me. Right. Yeah. It's true because you did go to college late. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I was in high school goofing around in muds. I know that doesn't mean puddles outside, so. (laughs) So is that it for now? I think that's it. Okay. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. So that I don't have to try and cut the last phrase into pieces and okay, fix while it. you're just yucking, I'm going to have uh-huh. water. Have a drink, which you're allowed to do now. Yes. You should have one tonight. No. You know, you'll need one tomorrow after the boy no, comes I, home. No, I don't think I should have any alcohol until I'm in definitely better shape. But Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, your body takes a harder the, hit from it than it. That doctor says he means do that in a month. That's how it works for me. What he might do now or say I can do now, I shouldn't do that yet. He tends to work with people whose bodies are significantly more hardy than yours because they're also significantly thicker than yours. They do a lot of bariatrics there. Yes, they do. But he does a lot of these surgeries too. Yes. Because everybody that that I know that's had them has had him through that office. Right. Him or the other doctor. Of course, we're in the middle of nowhere. But anyhow, (laughs) we digress. Shocking. (laughs) Again. There goes our first blooper. You know, in my generation, we were had to... Um, we were uh, had? Uh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I got distracted by an itch. It's okay. We were had. You were yeah, totally we had. We were had. I'll tell you what. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs>